Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. To another Whole Foundation presents, and today we're joined by Deb Marinos that's going to give us some tips and tricks to work with your audiologist to maximize your hearing. And I am one of the sight loss instructors for Whole Foundation, and I'm joined today with by Hael Espinal and Teresa Christian. Hello. And um, I will say Whole Foundation offers up to six, usually six or seven workshops every month. And these are separate from the ACB ones. We do list some each week on the ACB community call list. So you're, if you're out there in ACB media or just joined us through Zoom. At the end of this session, I will give contact information so you can get on our mailing list. And we have a monthly newsletter that goes out. And on Mondays, they send out a list of the Zoom session uh, for that. And in the newsletter, it lists all of the workshops for the entire month. And um, so just some a few reminders is to please keep yourself muted and we'll use the raised hand feature when um deb says it's time to to do that so good morning and i'm really glad to be with all of you here today um the title of what we're working on is tips and tricks for blind hearing aid users and i don't know about the tricks part but we'll hopefully find out some of the interesting advances in hearing aid technology that makes it important for us to be really aware of what has changed. And I am Deb Marinos. I am a certified rehabilitation counselor. I'm a licensed Oregon professional counselor, and I used to work for the state agency as a VR counselor. I have Usher 2A, which is retinitis pigmentosa, often called RP, and hearing loss. I was born with moderately severe hearing loss, but did not get a hearing aid until I was in fourth grade. And I still remember the joy and the excitement of being able to go, wait a minute, what's that noise? What's that that? I had no idea that the world was full of noise. And it's really interesting. um, Over the years, as I've gone through different hearing aids, I've become kind of a guru of hearing aid technology, partly because my background in engineering, partly because I just love to know more about gadgets. and I do offer my email, Deb, at adaptabilityforlife.com. I'm currently in business for myself, doing various consulting and training. And it's just interesting, the different things that have come up in the hearing aid technology. And I'll share a little story of why specifically I'm doing this presentation. Our objective are to have resources to make informed decisions specific to those with both hearing and vision loss and other physical mental limitations. And you may also be able to, if you're working with a vocational rehab counselor, I may give you some tips that will help justify the cost for new hearing aids to solve employment barriers, and then to also be aware and alert clients and O&M professionals to special safety considerations. So what has changed and why? And so the safety concerns and resources is the major headings that we're working under. And 
the reality is, is that I, about a year ago, I went in and got in hearing aid. Mine were quite old, and um, which in the hearing aid world is more than seven years old. And so, but they were working well. I had no issues with them. I made them work. So I get a new pair, same audiologist, wonderful person, put the supposedly the same programming sounds and all of that on there. We were good to go. Walked outside, went out to the street, told the dog, because I have a guide dog named Shane, and I told him forward, and it was a two-way, you know, so stopped one direction, no stop the other. And the dog said, oh, no refused me and then and it actually blocked me and about that time I have just enough you know a little tiny bit of central vision in one eye and I saw two cars passing in front of me not just one but two and I am in total shock because I did not hear those cars not even a little bit until they were maybe 10 feet away from me and I said "Uh uh-oh so what's the deal The deal is that communication is key and achievable, right? So the hearing aid companies have decided that noise is bad. And they now have motion sensors in the hearing aid so that if they sense a noise like a car coming toward you, it immediately turns the microphone around toward any speech or just away from the noise because nobody wants to hear noise. And you can see immediately why that's a problem if you are some form of vision loss or blindness or sight loss, whatever name you want to use, low vision. So it's really important. So obviously I went back and fast forward. The happy news is, is that after going through five different brands of hearing aids and a very um, talented patient audiologist that was new to the idea of both hearing and vision loss. And so he appreciated, he said anyway, and he seemed to, Um, Me going out and trying things out and learning what's called the algorithms or the engineering design of a hearing aid. It's very top secret. They don't tell you, you know, so I started doing my research and I found out what's really interesting is that pediatricians have, um, especially uh, Phonak, makes a pediatric hearing aid because little babies and children need to know where the sounds are in the world and they need to know them as they really are. So that gets you a real good clue that the adult hearing aids don't tell you necessarily where things are or what the sound, you know, they don't want the sound, the soft sounds change to loud sounds and vice versa. So, you know, no, we don't want to just run back and go get old hearing aids. And I'll tell you why. It's because you can hear speech in any environment now with the proper hearing aid and adjustment. So where I used to place people, say, in a manufacturing thing, and they would go nuts if they had a hearing aid because the noises of the machines would, you know, get amplified along with everything else. They couldn't hear when someone was asking them to do something, but they had this constant noise in their ears, which gave them a headache and wasn't helpful. Nowadays, no problem. They just take that noise. They tell the hearing aid has artificial intelligence in it. You can spot the noise. You can tell it, okay, turn that down. 10 notches, so it's just a nice little hum. And then, oh, by the way, if anybody talks, you can just shut it down four more notches and make sure that you only hear their speech. So it's wonderful, and it's also very much a concern. The other part of it is if the hearing aids are not effective, if you have hearing aids that are not working for you, this is a kind of an advocacy problem. And... I have questions here, may need further adjustments, maybe 10 times or more. 
so many different factors involved. There's an enormous shove or push, even with this new over-the-counter thing, that you don't need an audiologist and you don't need any special training because the factory comes with a setting that's good for everybody. Well, not so much. So the idea that you might have to go back 10 times, well, yes, or more. Um, is something that you need to just decide this is how it is. Um, there are other things in our lives that we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't go to just one look at our phone to learn how to use our new phone either. So the hearing aid can be hard to get an audiologist to start over with a fitting, or they may rely on factory settings. So part of this is going to be you having super high expectations and you saying, wait a minute, I know and I've heard that this can work and it can work really well. My hearing aid that I currently have, which oddly enough was the same brand that I started with that I said, go away, don't come back. Um, I And it's the same brand, but one model newer and tuned differently with separate channels. So I have an automatic channel for when I want to hear speech and I don't want to hear noise and I don't want to hear the fan on my computer while I'm working on Zoom. But I also have a channel that I call traffic. However, you don't want to call it traffic because you'll scare them half to death. They don't want to be liable for you walking around on the road. So I call it my environmental channel when I need to hear, which to them is a music channel. So you start with a music channel and then you tweak it. So for me, that means standing on the corner with somebody sighted and I say, I see this and I hear that. And they say, no, actually it's over here, over there. And we literally had to, I mean, 45 degrees out, all the sound was coming in to me and I heard it and pointed and I was 45 degrees off. So I'd go back to hearing a audiologist and I would say you know this is what I hear and he'd say well I think that might be this and I go out and I say well no actually now we're 60 degrees okay I'll back it up and go the other direction now I have no idea what the channels are and all of that I'm not an audiologist but I have worked with a number of them and it has to do with balance and it has to do with lots of different things which you know, here's the other piece. Do your ears always hear the same? No. Do you get used to a hearing aid? Yes. So you may want to start, if you're just starting out, you may want to start with a less um, sound. You want the volume to be down. One of the good things, though, is that most of the hearing aid companies now have an app on your smartphone. So you can go in and adjust the hearing. So say um, Christmas Day, I thought my hearing aids were perfect but I couldn't hear anybody in the big room. Well, that would make sense. I haven't been in any big rooms, you know, this whole COVID thing. But anyway, to make the long story short on the traffic, I was able to get my hearing aid set. So I live near the freeway called I-5. And I don't know, it's probably about a half a mile away to my back. And I'm standing at that street crossing. I heard a bicycle at 40 feet, just a bicycle, tires crunching on the pavement. And it doesn't switch. So if I say forward Shane, or Shane forward, as the day may be, it doesn't automatically cut all the noise out. I don't. I, I have it set so it doesn't drop all the noise. So I can also hear speech and hear the noises. Because I need my world to stop changing. So anyway, it's possible. That's the big news. Now we're going to tell you some of the things that hearing aids can do and some more about the safety issue. So hearing aids are not just for hearing anymore. 
because they have artificial intelligence built into them, they're smart. They go, oh, you don't want to hear this. Oh, you do want to hear this. And they adjust themselves. And if they're doing a good job, that's great. If it's not working for you, you got to go back and tell it undo, please, or go into your app. Starkey has um, a fancy, the cost of hearing aids. Um, you can get hearing aids at Costco for $700 each, all the way up to $4,800 each. What would be the difference? So the $4,800 one can monitor activities. It's like having a Fitbit in your ear. So it knows when you fall down, it knows when you use it, it knows how much you're talking. So if you're isolated, it can actually be set up to text your caregiver if you fall or if you don't put your hearing aids on, you didn't get up this morning. Um, if you, you know, don't seem to be understanding anybody or you're just isolating. So it can be a step counter and it can rat you out if you stay in your chair all day. So a doctor can link it to it and make sure that a person's getting the energy and the stuff that they want to do. It's kind of interesting. I don't know, you know, the privacy issues around that. It had, with every good thing, there's always a piece that you have to consider. But it is up to you to turn that stuff on or off. One of the really nice things from the blindness perspective is once you get your hearing aid issued, if it is set up, the hearing aid can be adjusted remotely. So through the computer, through a connection. And it also can be, it's just really interesting what it can do. So Bluetooth is something that, you know, it's really important if you're working or just in general trying to communicate. So, um, and most of the time it works really well. Sometimes it doesn't, but the different brand hearing aids are unique in how they do Bluetooth. and how they have you control the hearing aid. So for, for example, the reason I chose this particular one is that I can do everything with the buttons on the hearing aid itself. Some of the hearing aids that I tried out, you had to open the app on your phone, which unfortunately is, wasn't accessible to voiceover completely. The first screen, once I got past that, I learned how to get past it just by making it go away. Then I could do some adjustments, but for example, they have what's called a partner mic or else a Roger Select for the phone axe that I use. And all of those are buttons and things I can give somebody, but the both, let's see, there were two that you had to use the bottom of your iPhone or your Android phone as the microphone. And I don't know about you, but handing somebody my phone so I can hear them, it's going to be a limited situation. I'm not going to be able to do that say, in a bus or a Uber or anywhere else, that I might need to be able to communicate with someone better. Or, say, in a lecture room. Um, the unit that I have can actually, you know, carry over a long distance. I can hear the speaker in a noisy room someday when we get back to doing lecture hall type situations. So I talked to different audiologists and said what one did they like to use they say most are still using phonak and oticon but that's not a brand thing i found that resound was the only one that said we think hearing aid users are smart enough so they they tout their 360 degree sound 
So if you have someone that's not going to go back to the hearing aid place, they're not going to figure out what they need. They really aren't going to stand on the corner and decide if the trucks are too loud. So, for example, I have the loud noises in my traffic thing cut down so they never get louder than a certain amount. So, you know, that truck that goes by and backfires or really loud car doesn't bother me because my hearing aids cap the sound. I can still hear it but it never gets louder than a certain amount. When the same token, those tires on the ground is a soft sound and I have that turned up so I don't miss it. Um, is it something that you would want to sit and listen to all day? No, I always take my little button. I have programs and one beep is normal and two beep is so-called environmental. And that's an important part that you not try to do both. That's what I had to learn. You couldn't have the best of both worlds. You actually have to have two programs because I really can't hear speech very well at all other than outside. I can hear the bus driver and I can hear people um, walking, saying something to me alongside me on the sidewalk, but not like I, I can't sit in front of Zoom call and do a good job hearing those people unless I move it back into the other program. One of the things about a resound unit that's interesting is that it has a feature in it. So if you have a habit of losing your hearing aids or whatever, you can actually, it has a find me kind of unit. So it will actually let you help find your hearing aids. So there's, you know, so if you have a memory issue, different brands, maybe different things. The other thing is to realize that Costco sells some of these same hearing aids under different brand labels like Kirkland or Signe or whatever. So it's a little hard to figure out names or brands. Um, so one of the things, I'm looking at my notes, one of the things that um, an OrCam, I don't know if you've heard of an OrCam, but it's a device that's a reading device that you um, put your finger on something and have a little camera stuck on your glasses and it will read it to you or it will tell you who's coming towards you. It will, it will call out the doors and what things. Well, that's kind of a problem if you have it hooked to your Bluetooth, which would work to your hearing aids because um, if you're sitting, it's fine. But if you're walking around and you're listening through your Bluetooth, now you're suddenly not getting any background sounds. You're going to get just kind of a dull roar of what's going on backwards, but you're not going to hear the traffic. You're not going to hear the person that come up alongside of you or whatever kind of interesting things happen. The over-the-counter units are soon to be available. The pricing model changes expected. They're already out there. I've seen um, different companies like Bose and others. They have an automatic thing where you listen on the phone and, and click the button to tell them what you hear and what you don't. And you get this little unit and you put it in and it's good. Even through the federal hearings, it's for mild to moderate hearing loss. So if you have ushers like me, it's not going to work for you, unfortunately. Um, and if you have a, a pretty evenly across the board loss. So in other words, your low sounds and high sounds. High sounds are always a little worse than low sounds, but they're not what we would call a sloping loss or a lumpy loss. Most of the consonant sounds are in the 1000 Hertz. And that's where most people, if they have a loss in that area, 
find it difficult to understand the P, the T, the C. So Peter, Tom, Charlie, S's, all of these to distinguish becomes, um, and you know, that takes a lot out of you. The not having those sounds specifically loud enough can be really difficult because it wears you out. It makes you fatigued. It makes you question what you think. You begin to wonder if you're a little bit crazy because you heard this and somebody else does that and it doesn't fit. So then you're doing the puzzle guessing pieces, putting all the pieces together. And I mean, we do, as a person with a hearing loss, if you hear a sentence, you're far more likely to make sense of it because you can fill in the words that didn't make sense. So it's so important to have a hearing aid that ends up doing what you need it to do and that you have some means of controlling the so-called automatic features to your advantage, but also when you're moving around. And the only way that you can really check that, um, if you have an uh, you know orientation mobility specialist, that's the best ever because they know what you're supposed to be able to hear. And um, you know, standing on different corners and seeing how it actually works and can you truly hear the traffic is an important piece. But not only traffic, I mean. So one of my hearing aids, I was going berserk because all it seemed to pick up a lot of was the dog and the cat's collars. Tingle, 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 tingle. It's not like I was, you know, jingle bells all day long. It was just like, oh, my gosh, can you do something with the bells? And But unfortunately, then I turned it down too far, and then I couldn't hear whatever else is on that frequency. So you get to be almost a sound engineer figuring out what happens. All right, so I'm going to take a little bit of a breath. Let's see, what story? Usually I like to tell a story about now. Um, I guess I'll tell you this story. Once upon a time, in, oh gosh, when hearing aids went from analog to digital. In those days, we had a little wheel on the back of the hearing aid. You wanted it louder, you put it up, and you wanted it softer, you put it down. Um, my sister just recently died, and we were going through stuff, and I used to actually purchase the hearing aids for us, and I knew what, slope our hearing was and what we needed in the way of gain and I used to pick it out so anyway this idea that I was going to have this new digital thing was kind of thing but the audiologist uh, lovely gal up in Portland said well I've been working with the commission for the blind and I have a room set up so they had recorded some intersections and they put it on four speakers and you would sit in the middle of the room and then she would say well what do you hear and I'd be like, well, there's a honking car on my, you know, at one o'clock and there's a whatever, a big truck at nine and whatever. And she'd go, oh, not so much. So then, you know, so we would sit in the lab. I must have went up 50 times trying out this brand new digital unit just to see because nobody really knew what anybody was going to happen. So this is not the first time that we've had a challenge being a blind person and using hearing aid. And, you know, I had a hard time switching over to the new one because it was just very different, sounded different. The good part of all of that is that if you have a completely missing frequency, like a lot of people do with ushers up in the higher frequencies, and you need that for speech discrimination, they can literally just reassign it to a different frequency that you can hear. 
So the sound comes down. It doesn't sound, quote, normal, but you can hear and understand people, which we know communication allows you to work and have better relationships and speech clarity is so important. So here's one of the tricks. When you go to the audiologist and either they're not listening or you're not talking, here's what happens. You say, you know, I don't know how to tell you what it sounds like. So they use words like barrel or they have on their screen a list of things like tinny, scratchy, barrowy, whatever, and they can just click I mean, if they give you those words, if you're totally without a word, you can tell them that. And what I suggest is don't change too many things at the same time. That's why you kind of want to go, okay, let's just change two more things. They also have an undo button. So if it was a mess or some of it was a mess, you can say, please undo, and then just put this back in. The other thing that you can do is you can set up, most of them have a number of channels. So I don't keep it on long term. But the automatic has, depending on the hearing aid, either three or four or five different challenges that it automatically goes to. So it knows a noisy environment like a restaurant. It knows um, music and it knows quiet and it knows speech and quiet and it knows speech and noise would be example of the five that I have. So I have them put them all on my hearing aid as different buttons. So, you know, automatic number two with one beep is traffic or whatever environmental sound. Then I have three is noise and speech and four is um, noisy, you know, really noisy environments and five is whatever else the other one is. So then when I'm in a situation and I'm like, no, this isn't working, I can literally go through the buttons and figure out what program it switched to and which one isn't working. That makes sense. It's a way to troubleshoot what part of the automatic programming isn't working. And so they also have switches involved on how quickly it changes to those different environments. So if you're sitting at Zoom and all of a sudden the fan or the furnace comes on or the doorbell ring, you might not want your hearing aid to suddenly switch to a new program. And you can actually tell it not to, or you can tell it to do it faster. So those are the important pieces to know that all of that is completely definable and in general the automatic program is probably pretty good for speech as long as you know whatever you need to make it work it's just the other programs you may need to have for environmental sounds you you have to you get to decide what you really want to hear and how much of it So um, I'm looking at my notes, and I think it might be, oh, T-coils and um, Bluetooth. Let's just talk a little bit about that, and then I'm going to open it up for questions. So the T-coil is almost unusable now with the current electrical system. There's too much magnetic noise and static. So especially the new LED lights and stuff, T-coil is still very useful for an old-fashioned phone. And some cell phones are able to use a T-coil so you can put it up there. But if you can get a Bluetooth connection into both ears, it will improve your telephone communication like nobody's business. Um, Something called MFI, many of the hearing aids have something, how they connect to your 
So in other words, my phone act one because they are like the mainstream Bluetooth technology. Everybody has a headset connected to their phone. They're all walking down the road with their phone in their pocket. So my hearing aid has that exact same technology. It most of the time works. It's not perfect. Once in a while, it'll drop. This morning, it decided it didn't want to talk on a Zoom call, but I could hear. So, oh, well. Um, sometimes you can open the battery doors and make it reset, and sometimes that does not work. And it's kind of mysterious. And um, so obviously I'll be checking in with my hearing aid guy to say, hey, it seems to be doing this. The MFI option actually goes through the accessibility features in your phone. And so it's interesting because one allows you to hear, you know, the caller ID and the other one doesn't. Um, There's just some really interesting kinds of things that, like, and I also said, in order to talk into the phone, you have to keep the microphone and the phone has to be up within so many inches. People were complaining that it sounded noisy or it sounded tinny or I can't understand you. And so that was frustrating to have a hearing aid that I could hear wonderful, but they couldn't hear me. So that was another reason and something you want to test very carefully in your trial period. You always have at least 30 days. If you can get more, you might want it to make sure that people can hear you as well as you hearing them. So um, in addition, I just want to mention there's old fashioned units that still work really, really well. One of them is called a Comtech. Uh, the Williams has a sound system um, where you have a little unit with a microphone on it and you give it to that person and then you um, have another unit that's either T-coiled or you can tie it directly into your um, Bluetooth. It gets a little more complicated with the modern hearing aids because you don't have the interface of the Compilot, but um, they do have something that works with TV and computer, but again, it's only one way you can hear, but you can't talk. Compilot, you could do both. So there are some shifts and changes, and you'll have to be really aware Um of how the battery charging, everybody wants to know, should you get a rechargeable or shouldn't you? And there's quite the interesting discussion. There's a blind hearing aid users listserv, plus I've been talking to people. And some people do really well with the rechargeable. They never get stuck out somewhere. They can't walk home because their hearing aid dropped out or one hearing aid dropped out and they can't hear the traffic, they can't get home. So you have to consider your own life. What does it mean to you if your hearing aids go, oops, you never charged me enough or else you've been listening on your talking books all day long. And so you wore the battery down on your hearing aids. Um, You know, for me, I'm more comfortable having a battery and I do use the big 675s. So my hearing aids are not small, they're not tiny, they're not in my ear. I don't have the option. I don't have to make that choice because I don't, my hearing needs are too great for anything in the ear. The other issue always comes up to is the whole itchy ear thing and the discomfort of learning to wear them. So I also wear leg braces. And so, I mean, I'm really, and they're surprised that I understand this so well, but When you first get a hearing aid or when you get new molds, you need to wear them for a couple hours and take them out and then extend the time gently and gradually. And again, raising the volume gradually, 
making things happen so that you can get used to something. Um, if you overdo it and you get super sore, well, then you get to start over because it's really hard to get out of super sore. All right. So um, I'm checking my notes to make sure. So Zoom calls. One of the nice things about um, some people who really struggle to hear, they find that if they log in with their phone to listen on a Zoom call and use the PC to see or talk. And so you can actually play around and log in twice and make it, um, you just have to be really careful to turn off the sound so you only have one sound going in one place. Otherwise, you'll hear that woo, woo, woo feedback thing, and everybody will be going nuts every time you unmute your mic. Um, but it is true. The Bluetooth, direct Bluetooth, however it works, be it MFI or straight Bluetooth, is really a game changer for clarity. Some people find that taking their hearing aids off and using the little ear pods that come with an iPhone is the best option if they can turn up the computer far enough. And that's really interesting. I have heard several people say that is their best tip, not to use the hearing aids at all. It does not work for me. And it's really interesting because I know that in some of these cases, if you were to lay our audio ground down, you would see similar results. So realizing that you are unique and that what you need may not be the same thing as everybody else needs. So one of the questions that I always have, are you able to advocate to get needs met? If not, you may want to go get some emotional support from a therapist or someone who can help you through the process. This is a big deal. To be able to walk around safely and communicate, it means work, it means relationships. And so if that's not your strength, that you're able to, you know, not yell or be abusive, but advocate in the sense of being able to know what's reasonable to ask for and insist that you get it and be able to navigate when someone's not really interested in being flexible or meeting your needs or whatever. Do you have cognitive abilities, spatial abilities, and sighted support to distinguish what you're missing. Are you willing to hear what you're missing? Sometimes it's not very comfortable to find out that we are not seeing or hearing everything we need to hear. And I know all of us that have been in the blindness world for a while have all gone through the experience of there's a what? Where? Oh, it's right there in front of you. But no, I missed it. And, you know, the whole right there thing is another piece of it. And then considering what options you need as far as distance and clarity flexibility what's the most important for you for students or professionals or where is your environment that really matter and if music is something you really enjoy you can have a music program just for music they do that really well on most hearing aids um, which is just really interesting because I couldn't usually tell the difference between pitches and I played the piano for years and now I can honestly hear when I play a wrong number before I was without it but it's just interesting. It sounds different to me. And then resources. I just want to mention that um, we have Pacific University. We have two faculty members, one of which who has um, hearing loss himself so, and vision loss. So they're very supportive. 
anybody wants to reach out, I can give you their email. They'll answer specific questions. And you can also go up to that clinic if you're in the area of Oregon and learn more. But pretty much um, they're training the people and it, the word is slowly getting out. There's a blind hearing aid users listserv. So it's blind hearing aid users with an F. So B-L-I-N-D-H-E-A-R-I-N-G-A-I-D-U-S-E-R-S at groups. So G-R-U-P-S dot I-O. And it's a consumer group. You can ask any question and there's people on there that are confused and people that are really happy and people that are engineers and there's just all kinds of things, but they're really emotionally good support. So if you got, I got this new hearing aid and you can tell them exactly what brand and model and what they told you. And somebody will say, no, 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 that's not true. Or somebody will say, yeah, well, that's how it goes. So um, it's really interesting. And you have groups. So Usher Syndrome Family Coalition has conferences and recorded things by several good audiologists giving a lot of specifics on how to get used to hearing aids. Usher Syndrome Society um, has some wonderful success stories. Foundation Fighting Blindness has some interesting, you know, under the ushers, not so much blind hearing loss as much as it is Usher Syndrome, which usually has both. Um, Helen Keller National Center is, has been running classes for everybody. Uh, they currently have a set going for people over 65, and you get to learn how to cook and do all kinds of things. And they are so um, into providing access for people with hearing loss, even if you completely. So it's really interesting to see how they do that through a combination of text or large print or ASL interpreters, whatever it is that you need. I Can Connect is a program in every state that provides telecom devices or telephones or many different devices so that for anybody with significant hearing loss and vision loss, you have to be legally blind and then have hearing loss that interferes with your communication. There is no so-called legal deafness. Um, so that that's kind of the PUC in most states have pre-amplified phones or in some cases iPads. And, of course, Hall Park Foundation and Learning Center provides us a lot of resources. That's what we're listening to today, along with ACB. And then um, there at Helen Keller, they've recorded some videos. Carol Hammer is the audiologist there that I had a lot of joy getting to work with and learn so much from. Um, and uh, so she's done some recordings as well. And always, there's independent sources on the web. We have something called hearingviewreview.com, and they have a resource center and white papers, so people are writing down specific research. Obviously, it's going to be slow because it has to be reviewed and published before it's there, but you will find many interesting things there. Okay, I'll be quiet for a moment. And see if we got any questions. Hi, Deb. This is, this is Hayal, and um, I'm from uh, one of the instructors at Hall Foundation, and I, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to do this because um, I'm, I've been a hearing aid user since I was about seven years old, about a year before you, but I, you know, I think I'm younger, but um, 
for a long time, you know, and uh, for about 30 years, I guess. But I, I'm glad that you mentioned the, the shame of using the hearing aid in the beginning. I did not use my hearing aid until I was about 12. And that was only at school. Um, well, sixth grade, so about 10, 11 years old. There's, there's that shame. But once you get past it, it's amazing. And I also wanted to thank you for mentioning going back to your audiologist or hearing aid technician to get your hearing sorted. It can be really discouraging. Um, but once you find that rapport with that person to, to go back, if it takes two, three weeks, you know, 10, 15, 20 times to go back and get your hearing aids adjusted. It's really important to do that. Um, and it's not just a recent thing. Rather, you know, I just recently got my hearing aids type of thing. This this could be a yearly change. Uh, go back every, you know, few months and, and revisit your hearing aid settings and make sure that you're still hearing what you need to hear. And revisit your audio, you know, your, your hearing test uh, results and see if your hearing aids are matching with that. It's a constant, um, it's a, it's something to keep up with. It's like maintaining a car, you know? Um, Exactly. And it's such a big investment, both in your health and your communication and your family's happiness with you. It, It is a big deal. It's a huge deal. And, um, oh, there's just so many things that I want to thank you for mentioning because I just felt so not understood. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I was, like- yeah, I was very fortunate to have an, a hearing aid technician who, who would, you know, um, right away he realized, you know, I have unique needs because I'm also blind. And he advocated for me on behalf of his company. And, um, so amazing. So if we can find somebody or encourage other people to be uh, help us advocate for ourselves, that's always amazing. So thank you so much. I did have a question before we brought it to the rest of um, the, 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 uh, the listeners, but the, the question is, um, do you know anything about connecting the Bluetooth? I don't want to know how, but I want to know if it's a possibility connecting the Bluetooth with my my Apple Watch, um, I know they said that m- more recent. I think the Apple Six um, Six Generation would have that function. But what what um, brand hearing aid do you have? I have the uh, Miracle Ear brand. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. Do you know if it's MFI or is it straight Bluetooth? I think the only one currently that can do it is a Phonak. It's a Phonak. Okay, that's what I was Oticon thinking. Oticon might be able sure. to, um, but but you that you know because Phonak went with what's called universal Bluetooth, it can connect with anything. So you know the watch can connect if the watch can connect with any Bluetooth device, any on the market device, then the Phonak can connect to it. Now, is there a workaround? Um, both Resound and Oticon have a little unit that you can buy. And there are some kind of knockoff units that you can buy to make the your connectivity into standard universal Bluetooth. You remember how when the computers came and they didn't have Bluetooth on them? And right, you could right. Buy a little stick and you could stick it in there. 
Well, there's right. some of those devices out there. How well they, the problem has been is, and, and that's what happened to me this morning, even with my fancy phone act, um, Paradise, it just decided not to connect. And you're, what are you going to do? You just go, well, hmm, it connected yesterday. Thank you very much. It connected three days before and it connected all day last week. But it has its, and it, I thought, oh my gosh, my hearing aid must be bad. So I went out and started looking and no, there's lots of people out there saying, you know, it's kind of like some gremlin got in my ear today. Thank you. Um, so, you know, whether it's picking up interference, um, I don't know. But each iteration, each model seems to be getting better around that. Indeed. Even with my hearing aids, the Bluetooth, it used to be pretty bad when I first got them. And with each yeah. up, upgrade, it's just getting better and better. There's still those moments where the Bluetooth gets really fuzzy. It's still there. It's connected, but really fuzzy. So, no, there definitely we need to be involved, definitely actively involved in making, helping them make those changes, not just for ourselves, but for everybody else who giving that feedback. Okay, and we for have advocacy on just to remind you that the apps for the most part are not fully accessible and they seem to be kind of, I know ACB and somebody else is trying to get involved with that. And I'm so glad because it's so important. Okay. We have two hands raised. Jeanette is first and then Christy. Um, I, first of all, want to tell you that I appreciated your presentation. I learned a few things I wish I had known before I got mine. My question is this, well, I have two. Um, the first quick one is um, we know with my brand of hearing aids, my programs are all set and I learned to figure out all the things that you told me. I can't set them, but I have four programs and they can adjust them so they're set the way I want them. And that was trial and error and it worked. Um, but my question is, mine are paired um, so that Everything streams to my phone. And for most things, that's great. And the way I can unstream it is by turning Bluetooth off. Um, I know that I cannot repair these if they come unpaired. But when I have my Bluetooth on and I'm in, say, an exercise class and I want to ask her a question or if I'm on the phone and I need to be the one speaking, I've learned I can't put the phone up to my ear because it raises havoc with the hearing aids and everything goes wrong. So do I just put the phone in front of me on speaker and will that work better? I don't know with yours. I found that I wear a lanyard and I made my phone upside down so that it was laying on my chest about mm, four inches from my chin. When I was okay. using the type of hearing aid where I had to speak into the microphone, the microphone's in the bottom of the phone. Right. And I found that was how I got away. I agree with you that if you try to put it up to your ear, it doesn't work. But I would try it without speaker first, and then if they can't hear me, I'd do the speaker. Okay. And then um, something I learned the hard way, do not use the option of turning voiceover on and off on your hearing aids. Because if uh, with the double click, uh, triple click on the right-hand side of your phone, because if you do that, your voiceover and your hearing aid program will get confused. Yes. And... 
So I turned it off on my hearing aid. Um, right. But what do you do if your hearing aids become unpaired? That is my second. So I, I was going to ask you about that question. So I go into settings. You, are you on an iPhone? Yes, I am. Okay. So I go into settings, Bluetooth, and there's a little toggle switch, and I turn it on and off. In fact, I have it off right now because I, if somebody were to call me, I don't want it taking my hearing aids over so I can't hear what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I have found that to turn it back on, as you say, you can't pair it. It remembers, but you have to go down and find it. So in mine, it has three different links, which is, I, you know, sometimes I wonder why. And then I say, I don't need to know. So the first one is Deb's right ear. The second mm-hmm. one is Deb's L-E and R-E. So the yep. L-E and R-E has to do with the app and the phone and the hearing aid connection to that. And the mm-hmm. first one is my true Bluetooth. So I have to double tap it too. It's not enough just to turn the toggle switch back on. I have to go in and double tap that Deb right ear. And so I just double tap it in and then it does its thing. Okay. All right. And I probably do it 10 times a day. So that's what, that's how I get it done. Thank you. Okay. We have six minutes left and two hands, Christy and then Larry. Christy, trying to get her. Hello. How are you doing? Great. Good, good. Uh, I use, uh, I have the Phonak MV90 hearing aid, the the rechargeable one. Uh And and I've been having problems with just just not adjusting right. So the plan of action I had this time, and you can tell me what you think about this, or should I take a more active approach and try to do, a, you know, have them program something else. But what I'm trying to find out is I'm going to, I have a hearing test coming up. So what I'm thinking about doing is just letting them uh, program it with the suggestion that the audiogram comes up with, with the computer and try that for a little bit, you know, and if I have to go in, readjust something because I've never actually tried it with the program. I mean, with the automatic program, I've always uh-huh. tried to adjust things. But the fact of the matter is, you're in a little room, and you can't really tell. That's so I'm wondering exactly if it just right. wouldn't be a good idea just to try and go with the suggested program for a little bit and see how it works for me. Right. And that's and do you- my question. Yeah. Do you have an option of having two channels so you can switch between them to test to see which one you like the best? I don't know, honestly. I mean, it's on the fitted program. Um, there could be these hearing There's two buttons on these hearing aids. It's the, like I say, it's the Phonak M, MV90 Marvel, Marvel MV90. Right. Yeah, the Marvel's is. a good hearing aid. So, and and you should have at least three programs on there. So basically, you would have to learn if the long push on the button. You know how when you raise the volume, it goes beep beep when you get to the top. Yeah, it sounds yeah. somewhat similar to that, and I had a hard time learning the difference in the sounds. And so I made them put a. Uh, T-coil between my programs so I would know I had gone to another program instead of just making the first one louder because I thought I had gone to program two and I hadn't actually gone there. I'd only bumped the volume up. So um, you experimenting is awesome. 
And I don't think right. you can do it wrong other than staying safe. So realizing that the automatic, you know, I do love the automatic. I have to say, I mean, I can sit in the car and actually hear somebody without even fussing. I'm not really out in a lot of traffic and stuff, though, because I use a rollator and paratransit. So I don't really. Uh, right. So you're not you know, crossing I, I streets and you're not likely no, to get no, yourself no, no, run no, over. No, so, you know, so no. I don't see any harm in that. And then, you know, if you're living with anybody, you let them know that you're changing. So, you know, you say, hey, if you notice me not noticing that the microwave is beeping or whatever it might be, let right, me know. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So, OK. Well, that was my question. Right. Good one. Okay, at at five till the hour, Carrie needs to make announcements, and it's eight till the hour. So, Larry, you have three minutes. This is a quick question. I have a a Phonak Marvel, and I use it with my iPhone 8. I've noticed recently that when I answer a call using the button on the hearing aid, There's a longer delay than before, maybe about a five-second delay before the person can hear me or or I hear them. Uh, Any reason why that could be happening? Is there an adjustment to be made to the hearing aid or to the phone? Sometimes if the batteries are getting low, that'll happen. Um, But I've noticed some people complaining about that that don't have hearing aids. So it could be a carrier issue as well. Okay. But as far as I know, we're stuck with whatever the latest upgrade is, did, or, you know, they call (laughs) it latency, L-A-T-E-N-C-Y. So when you talk to your hearing aid person, you say, well, I'm having a five-second latency. That seems really long. (laughs) I don't know that I could tolerate that. So um, I always used to have one or two seconds. My current phone act it's so instantaneous i don't hear any latency at all oh. so what which, which carrier do you have on your phone i'm on at&t at the moment well so am I. Verizon. yeah so uh, i don't know uh which kind of iphone do you use um i have an 11 i had an 8 plus until just a couple yeah. weeks ago okay well maybe just my area i don't know Thank you. You bet. Okay, there's no more hands. It's uh, another minute, Deb, if you have things you want to wrap up with. Um, just to remind everybody, the company name is Adaptability for Life, and my email is deb at adaptabilityforlife, spelled out, F-O-R, dot com. And if you have further questions or need re- referrals, let me know. Thanks, Deb, for joining us. And I want to just give Hiel a brief moment to mention the Ushers conference that Whole Foundation is planning at the park. Hiel, yeah, they, uh, dates are yet to be set and confirmed. But yes, over the summer, we believe we will be having an Usher seminar. We encourage you to keep a lookout uh, on the newsletter and calendar <clears throat> for the summer for whole foundation and we will definitely yeah just just keep an eye out and we will be sending information as needed great thanks and i will let people know that is in the park that is in sandy oregon and they do make arrangements to pick up people from the airport or the train station you know public transportation they have a lot of covid um 
things in place to keep everybody safe and healthy. And there are financial assistance things for all of their retreats and getaways and all of the events that they do for um, the sight loss community. So this is our last workshop this week. Next week, we have six of them planned. And these are all in Pacific time. So all you Eastern time people can reverse and you you get to figure it out this time instead of all of us. On Tuesday, we have two. We have one at 10 a.m. Pacific is a, our book club, and they meet every other week. And um, if you want to know which book they're reading for that, you need to reach out to the office, and I'll give contact info in just a minute. And at 1 o'clock on Tuesday, we're going to have the difference between smart speakers and what they cannot, can and cannot do. So, um, And I believe that's one that will be on the ACB Community Call List. Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., Teresa is going to talk to to us about how do you eat an elephant? How do you get what you want and need? And at one o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, all about Bookshare with Hiel. And she's been doing um, different books. And so this, this month is Bookshare. Next month will be Kindle. And that'll also be on ACB. Um, on Thursday at... At one o'clock, we're just doing a a group chat, just preparing for Valentine's Day with our sight loss instructor, Kat. And in the evening at 6.30 p.m. is a how are you doing and how are you dealing? And our sight loss instructor, Marja, leads a great discussion. And it's kind of an open mic format where you can talk about whatever you're needing to do. It's a great peer support group. Um, And for most of these, you will need to get a hold of Whole Foundation and Learning Center. And for some of our sessions, we do send out post-session notes. And I haven't asked Deb if she had any information that we'd be able to send out from this one. Um, so I take a list of all the people on here. So if you're on our list already, you'll get sent post notes if there are any. And if not, contact the Whole Foundation to get on that list. And also our monthly newsletter. So to reach out to us, you can call 503 503- Six six eight six one nine five again five zero three six six eight six one nine five or you can send an email to oralhull at gmail dot com that's o r a l h u l l at gmail dot com and oral hull was the person who actually set up the foundation and donated the land 60 years ago for our our, um, facilities and you can reach us on the web at www.wholeparkfortheblind.org we often end with a joke so an elderly man was having hearing problems and went to uh, see a specialist the doctor fitted him with some hearing aids that brought his hearing back to full capacity After a few weeks, he went back in to make sure the new equipment was working properly, and it was. And the hearing specialist told the man, hey, it seems perfect. Your family should be delighted that you can hear everything. Oh, no, said the man. I haven't told any of them. I just sit quietly and listen carefully. I've changed my will four times. (laughs) (laughs) and then we're trying to do some words of wisdom or points to ponder 
kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Anybody know who wrote that? Helen Keller. Nope. Mark Twain, who was a very good friend of hers. (laughs) So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And hopefully we'll have you come back next week for some of our Zoom sessions. Have a great day.